This is episode 12 of Deconstructing the Bible, and I'm calling this one, It's All Sacred. I think it goes without saying that 2020 was a tough year. We can all look back at the pandemic and look at the pandemic because it's still going on. It's still raging with the Delta variant, for especially for those that are unvaccinated, the danger of that variant. Uh, the pain that is still going on globally with unvaccinated people around the world who aren't receiving vaccinations as fast as others. We can look back at 2020 with the racial tension, the reconciliation, the reckoning that we've been heading towards and, and has been happening and it is happening. Uh, the trial of Derek Chauvin. We look back at contentious political climate and the difficulty of the election, which in some people's eyes is still being contested or is still being unbelieved. And there is still a lot of tension in the air politically, uh, in the air systemically. What are we teaching our kids? There's so much tension and it's a hard, hard season. And now it's natural when we are talking about the hardships of life and the difficulties of 2020 to put caveats in and to say, well, I recognize that my difficulty was not as hard as someone else's difficulty and difficulty of parenting in a pandemic isn't anything compared to the loss of a job in a pandemic or the loss of a job in a pandemic isn't anything compared to the loss of a loved one in a pandemic. And we can for sure, for sure, 100% recognize and acknowledge that there are people around the world who have experienced the past year plus in a harder or more traumatic way than maybe we have. But it's also fair to say that if you were to ask me, was life a little bit easier to navigate and to go through in 2019 or in 2020? And it's without a doubt an easy answer. 2019 was a breeze compared to 2020. And I would venture to say that for most of us, that was the case. The way we understood life to be, the concerns that we had, and as difficult as they may be, and the loss that maybe people experienced it in 2019, not to take anything away from it at all, because any loss is a grief that we need to enter into and share and to acknowledge. But 2020 was rough. 2020 was hard. Parenting for me in 2020 and in 2021 so far has not been easy. And so I'm coming into episode 12, It's All Sacred. And in all honesty, that's the last thing I feel like saying because I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and life has repeatedly felt like getting hit in the head with a two by four and feel like I'm operating with about 60% of the energy that I used to have, but we're all expected to do 150% of what we used to do. And that math equation does not add up to health. It does not add up to a good, healthy flow and rhythm to life. And I think there's this challenge, and I'm going to bring this into some biblical ideas. Uh, There's this challenge because there's this kind of underlying code that I think we read into scripture about perfection and purity and holiness, you know, almost like the Platonic idea of the realm of the ideals, right? There's this 
there's this way that it should be. It should be pure and holy and perfect and anything outside of that, this righteous way. And we are suddenly like off course and we're turned upside down and things are not the way they should be. And we feel like we are missing everything. We feel like we're not living into the call that God has for us or who we should be. And it just gets to be shaming. And we turn it into this shame spiral of, I don't feel perfect and holy and pure. I don't feel like I'm operating in the ideal way that I want to. And so I feel shame about that. And then because I feel shame about that, I know I shouldn't. Now I feel shame that I'm feeling shame. And now here we go. I'm spiraling out of control, right? Brene Brown talks about this. And so we're in this kind of cauldron of tension and challenge. 2020 and 2021 have been difficult years for many, many reasons. And to be honest, it's hard to see how this is moving in a direction that looks positive. We might even say, hey, vaccines are coming out. Schools are opening back up. The sun is out. Summer's upon us. Lakes are great. Being out in nature is amazing. And all of that is true. And at the end of the day, I still know plenty of parents who are tired at 7.30 or 8.30 or 9.30, whenever their kids finally fall asleep. I know plenty of people who are still struggling to figure out the finances, people that are experiencing the pain of a lost loved one due to COVID or for other reasons, the loss of loved ones. And it's still a hard season. And like I said, our conceptions theologically don't always help. And I think it's because we have this Genesis 1 and 2 versus Genesis 3 mentality. We have this Genesis 1 and 2 mentality that says everything is supposed to be perfect like it was in the garden. It's all supposed to be in rhythm. It's supposed to be amazing. We're supposed to have this great ideal of what life is supposed to be like. We have purpose. We have meaning. We have relationship, right? I mean, chapter 2 ends with this beautiful you know, poem about how God has created all of the earth and it's all working in rhythm. Adam and Eve are together. They are called to be fruitful and to multiply, to tend and to guard the earth and to take care of God's creation. And it's all humming along. And then, and then in chapter three, we have the breaking. We have the idea of sin, the deviation from the plan. We have the hardship of what it means to feel shame and distance from one another and from God. And so, you know, Adam and Eve eat from the tree that they weren't supposed to. They instantly feel shame. They realize they're naked. They sew fig leaves together. God comes and, you know, God has kind of these judgments for both the the serpent and also for Eve and also for Adam. And it's this harsh, difficult chapter of the Bible where we see the beginning of a friction in what it means to be human and what it means to be in relationship. And it's that friction that many have said has led to where we are today, where there's constant tension um, between us and God or between humans and God or between creation and the holy and the divine. And so that tension is what Christ comes to overcome, right? Christ comes to overcome that divide and to bring us back into healthy, right relationship. And the interesting thing is that At the end of Genesis chapter 3, God actually says that's what's going to happen, right? Like God actually says that uh, the offspring of the woman will put to death, you know, will stomp on the head of the snake and will be the one to bring about right relationship. And so there's there's this picture going on in chapter 3 
of a, a return to the wholeness of relationship that God has intended for humanity, you know, even to the point where they aren't left in their fig leaves that they sewed together, but that God um, sacrifices an animal and sews together animal skins for them so that they can go out into the world and they can be fully clothed and covered by what God has graciously um, given to them. And so there's, in a way, this picture of clothing as a symbol of God's grace and God's closeness to humanity. Some scholars have even said that that first animal sacrifice is the first sacrifice and we which will lead to the sacrificial system which will then lead to Jesus being the ultimate scapegoat the ultimate sacrifice the ultimate um covering for our sins you know Paul will even write um that we are to clothe ourselves in Christ as one puts on new clothes so there's this beautiful imagery of clothing throughout scripture which we can talk about at some later time i don't want to dwell on it too long but there's this idea that there's something more going on in genesis chapter 3 than just pure brokenness but that there's something going on in genesis chapter 3 where there's something sacred happening that god is up to something that there's a a foretelling, there's a foretaste, there's a beginning, there's uh, an inclusion of reconciliation, there's a something happening kind of in the wind about what's to come, and God is up to that. God is in the midst of that. God hasn't left humanity to figure it out for ourselves, but that God is constantly in relationship with Adam and Eve and with all of humanity. And so I I'm not one to just simply walk in and blow up everyone's theological conception. Instead, I just want to pose a question. And I read this idea. This isn't an original Jason idea. This is an idea that I read about kind of as a hint or as an aside or as a what if in the midst of a book I was reading. And basically the what if, the question is that what if, what if Genesis chapter 3 and the seeming breaking of relationship is not this act of human frailty, but what if the breaking of relationship and the reconciliation of that relationship, the clothing of humanity, the foretelling of the coming Christ, what if Genesis chapter 3 is the final act of the creation poem? What if Genesis chapter 3 is actually meant to be included, not just as a warning to us, but as a way of saying, this is part of the rhythm. It's going to be hard. You're going to mess up. You're going to go through things that don't make sense. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel disconnected from one another within yourself, from God, and out of rhythm with all of creation. But don't think that's the end. Don't think that's the final chapter of your story. And don't even think that's the beginning of your story. Your story isn't about simply brokenness and distance. It's meant to be something much more inclusive, which is why I love the word shalom, because the word shalom, we often hear it translated as peace, but in a deeper understanding of the word shalom is it's justice-infused relational wholeness. Let me say that again. Shalom is justice-infused relational wholeness. There's a justice in the relationships that we're to have, 
but it's moving towards wholeness. And wholeness is such a dynamic word. It's such a better word, I think. I love the word wholeness compared to perfection because wholeness is an inclusive word. It says, yeah, there are parts of us that don't always add up to perfect and pure and holy. There are parts of us that are not the ideal, and yet they are also teaching us something. They're also moving us towards something. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about the word teshuva in the Hebrew language, which is the word for repent, and it means return to the good. Well, this is such a dynamic word, and it's such an important word. Why? Because teshuva recognizes and includes the brokenness, the distance, the, 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 the fracture within humanity, and it recognizes that that's part of the experience and that it's not over just because you've been in it. It's not over because it's not perfect. It's not over because you're not holy. It's not over because you aren't pure. Actually, now is an opportunity. Now, always now is an opportunity to return and to move towards the good. It's always an opportunity to return and to move towards the good. You know, the Bible actually says, that your righteousness is as filthy rags unto the Lord. When, and, and that sounds like a really depressing verse, right? That's a really depressing verse. Your righteousness is as filthy rags unto the Lord. And But really what it means is that, you know, you can try really, really hard. You can think you're, you're going to be perfect. You can think you're being holy. You can think that you're pure. You can think that you're doing this ideally right. But in the end of the day, at the end of time, you know what? You're not. You're not going to do this on your own. You can't possibly be as perfect and as holy and as pure as the divine outside of relationship with God, outside of healthy dynamic relationship with one another, outside of a healthy understanding of who you are and a rhythm with all of creation, that you actually need to be in relational wholeness, justice-infused relational wholeness, to have peace and that when you do that, when you do that in relationship, you are moving towards that relational wholeness because your righteousness on your own is going to fall far short. It's going to fall far short. And so what if, what if Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 are all helping us understand this dynamic rhythm, this dynamic understanding of what it means to be human? What if all of it is trying to point us towards something more than just idealized platonic perfection, as if there's this realm of the ideals that we can get to? But what if it's more about relational wholeness, a movement that includes the light and the dark, as Genesis chapter 1 does? What if it's an inclusion of the hardest parts of what it means to be human, the most difficult seasons that we've had, the worst choices we've ever made? What if those aren't the parts that are furthest from us, but what if those parts are moving us towards something deeper and more whole? What if the hardest parts of our life are helping us connect with everyone else? I mean, how could I possibly connect with someone grieving if I've never grieved? How could I possibly understand the, the, the difficulty and the depravity of someone who's made an awful choice if I've never made an awful choice in my life or never seen myself as capable of that awful choice? I will say, first and foremost, that this pandemic, especially with parenting, has stirred up in me a realization that I'm capable of 
some really harsh things. I'm capable of treating my family in ways that I never thought I was. I have seen myself be meaner than I thought I could be. I've seen myself be more short-tempered than I thought I ever would be. I've seen myself be frustrated and hurtful in in a shorter span of time than I thought I could be. Uh, it's that 60% of me is trying to do 150% of what's required, and that math equation doesn't add up to someone who is healthy. It doesn't add up to someone who is thriving. And so I'm recognizing there are areas of my life where I am falling completely short. And so there's there's an option here. If I'm recognizing that I'm falling completely short and my parenting is really not up to the level that I want it to be, or that there are moments and there are experiences that I am not operating with the best that I know God has allowed me to do, and then I fall short and I make mistakes and I have to ask for forgiveness. There's two ways of looking at that. I could look at those situations and be like, you know, Jason, you should, you should experience an immense amount of shame. You should feel horrible and you should, you should feel terrible. And you should look at yourself and put a label on yourself that says awful, that says terrible, that says bad dad, right? You should have that label because that is the reality of your experience. And and in some ways, you probably could look at parts of my life and say, yeah, you've earned that label. You've earned that title. You've earned that. But I could also look at it and say, those things are true. Those things happened. But that is not the entirety of who I am. That isn't the fullness of of who I am, and that there is more going on in my story than just a brokenness in Genesis chapter 3, but there's also a reconnection, a renewing of the relationship that God wants for me. There's a movement towards justice-infused relational wholeness. And that word justice is important, that there are going to be consequences for our actions. We cannot avoid those. We should not avoid those. There may be things we have to do in order for the relationship to be moving towards wholeness. Again, justice must be done and it must be experienced, but we have to make room for the relational wholeness to exist as well. One thing I love about Genesis chapter 3 is that, yes, God has demands and has discipline for broken relationship, but that's not the end of the story. God also is willing to sacrifice for the sake of clothing, for the sake of renewing of relationship, for the sake of being near and close and to going with us and to journeying with us. And so there's a movement towards relational wholeness, even as justice is infusing the situation. And so I hope, I hope that instead of seeing only the good and the pure and the perfect as sacred and holy, instead we can recognize that all of this, all of this life is a sacred journey. Some of it we never want to experience again because we shouldn't experience it again, because it's not okay. And we need to learn from those experiences. But those experiences teach us something about who we are, what we're capable of, and what we may never want to do again, and how we need to move towards relational homes. We need to repent and return to the good. What if Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 are all sacred and are all helping us understand more and more about who we are as human beings and what our relationship with God is meant to look like? And if we do that, if we include 
the hardship of Genesis 3, if we include the hardship of what it means to be human, the difficult times, the bad choices, the harsh moments, if we include those and say, even this can become a sacred moment because I'm going to learn from it, because I'm not going to let it define me, because I believe that God is still up to something in my life or in this system or however we want to put it, God is still up to something. When we do that, I believe that we are choosing to be clothed with Christ, that we are choosing to put on Christ as we put on new clothes, because we recognize that even in the midst of the shame, in the blame, in the pain, in the hardship, and the disappointment, and the bad choices and the hurtfulness, even in the midst of the hardest year we may have ever experienced, even in the midst of all of that, we can still return to the good and participate in the shalom of God, the justice-infused relational wholeness that God has for us. That is my prayer for us. That's my big what if. What if this is the story of scripture? What if it's all sacred? Thanks for joining us on Deconstructing the Bible. Look forward to talking to you next time.